The name the Lord gave us over three years ago, Ignite Revival. It's been our passion. It's been everything that we desire. It's been our purpose is for people to come in, be ignited, and then for them to take that ignition source with them. We hear it talked about today. We think we know what revival looks like because either maybe we've experienced a little of it or we've watched it on TV. We've seen this in the past. Revival means that you, you bring in a big name speaker and he stirs everybody's emotions up and then, and then he leaves and then we go right back to exactly what we were doing before. I've even talked to people who went to Pensacola for the revival that happened there back in the, the 90's. And I've asked them, I said, what, what happened in your life? Did it, did it grab a hold of you and keep you? And some of them say, well, you know what, it was a great experience. The Lord was there, and, but yet they still fell away. Re- revival that God's bringing in these last day will, days will not be marked by an impact of emotion, but transformation. The revival that is coming will not be a flash in the pan, but it will be an orchestrated move of God during the most difficult of times. People who have been transformed will be able to run in high places, swift, sure-footed, with endurance, not tied to the world. See, there must be a reformation in the pew before there can be a transformation in the world. See, Jesus said that we're the salt, but if we've lost our saltiness, we're nothing good. We're not even good, He says, for the dung pile. He's called us to let our light so shine and be ambassadors for Christ. When Reformation comes to the pew, then revival will follow. There's a scripture in Habakkuk 3.2. It says, I memorized it because I thought it was so important. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. I love this scripture. He's calling out for revival. That's exactly what revival looks like. I want you to understand tonight. Habakkuk was a contemporary of Jeremiah. He prophesied before the fall of Jerusalem. Remember, Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. He cried out for people, please repent. He continued to cry out, and and people just ignored his message. The very name Habakkuk means strong embrace. I've been talking weeks about pursuing God, chasing God, and embracing God. Tonight I'm going to conclude this three-week part together and, and on talking about revival. But I want you to know that this book is very short. The book of Habakkuk is very short. It's only three chapters, but it is powerful in substance. Now I want to take us to the context of what he says here and how, why, how and why he said it. We love isolated scriptures that we go and we grab a hold of them and we make them ours and we start to, we start to say them all over the place. How many times have we done that? I've done it. Ooh, that's my scripture. I'm just going to say that. But what's the real context of what he was saying there? What was the context of what he was talking about? That's what I want to bring us tonight. 
I don't want us just to be something that makes us feel good, but I want it to be something that actually touches our heart and touches what the Holy Spirit wants to do in this hour. So here's, here's, the, here's the dialogue. Habakkuk 1, verse 2. He starts off with this. And this is Habakkuk talking to God. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at an injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that the justice is perverted. Habakkuk's prayer could be the same prayer for us today. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? it you, you could pray that same prayer today. It wouldn't mean it would. It, you, it can mean the same exact thing he was looking at. It was to the point where the, what was going on in the world around him had actually rendered the law ineffective and paralyzed it. Now I want you to hear God's answer. Wow! I'm going to tell you tonight what an answer. We hear today all these great things we love to hear about blessings and all these things that just help us feel good. In fact, we want, you know, we were raised in, in, when we were kids with the cereal box. Remember, the cereal box always had a prize in it. We, that's how much, that's kind of how we operate with God. We're always waiting for what's inside there, God. What's inside, what's the prize? Here's what God, here's what God answers him in Habakkuk 1 verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. I want you to imagine tonight. Here's the, the promised people. God's chosen ones, the blessed, they cry out for these things, God, please. And he says, here's what I'm going to do to you guys. You're going to love this. I'm bringing in Russia. And they are going to come and they're going to attack you. They're going to seize everything you have. That's my answer. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is the answer from the Lord for his prayer? Habakkuk tries again. He says, okay, hang on. Let me, let me readdress this to you, God. Maybe you misunderstood what I was saying. So in verse 12, he says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment you, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked are swallow up those who are righteous, more righteous than themselves? See, he tries to go into this saying, you know, maybe if I just, if I really bless the Lord, and I t tell him, hey, I remind him, God... Listen, you can't even look at wickedness. What do you mean you're going to bring in the Babylonians to overtake us? The Bible says then Habakkuk did this in chapter 2 verse 1. He watches and he waits. He positions himself. 
I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks to the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. This will all happen, he says. It's going to come to pass. But he says, I want you, Habakkuk, to watch and wait. Be ready. God says, I'm about to bring judgment on those who've misused you. I want you to understand tonight, God always tells us to be watchful. What does the word watchful mean? Observant, vigilant, sharp, heedful, careful, alert, wide awake, deliberate, intentional, purposeful, resolved, zealous, tuned in, attentive, and alive. In these last days, I'm telling you right now, God is calling us to be vigilant. He's calling us to be watchful. He told His disciples, be watchful. He says, in the midst of all of this, I will stand by. He says at the very end, he says, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. In Romans, he repeats this. Paul does. I want you to understand that in the midst of everything that's going on, that's about to happen to Israel, God says, listen, I will be faithful. Just because you see this happen before you, I'm... The things that we're seeing happen in our country. Do you think it's by accident that a a young man goes wild and berserk in Oregon and wants to kill people that are Christians? Do you think it's crazy that on the other side of the country, in uh, the Carolinas or Virginias, they walk into a church and they want to kill and execute Christians? It's not by accident. The enemy has a design plan. He has planned and plotted. That's why he attacks schools. Because that's the most vulnerable place that we, He could hit us with our kids. But He says this, listen, you live by faith. Behold, His soul, this is what the King James Version says, Behold, His soul which is lifted up is not upright in Him, but the just shall live by His faith. The faith that He has given us. He says this to us today. You focus on Me. You keep your eyes on Me. Calamity may be all around you, but you are Mine. You keep yourself focused on Him. I have you right where I want you. My faithfulness is what you are to trust in. Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the, lo- for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. See, these are scriptures we've heard about. The right hand here, in these little three chapters of Habakkuk, he gives us all this, all this revelation. In the midst of all these, there's these bright and shining moments. Even though the enemy's coming, he says, listen, I am about to pour out my glory as much as the waters cover the earth. He says it once again. He says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. See, we see this glorious picture of what God's about to do. In chapter 3, His glory covers the heavens. His splendor was like the sunrise. He says, you came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. 
Then after this dashing revelation, what, what Babylon's going to do, God says this in verse 16. I heard, and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. See, he says here, just as many other prophets of old did, he says, I shook with the fear of the Lord when it came upon me. There became an awareness of God that this is what a true mark of revival will bring. Not just signs and wonders, but it's going to bring a revelation of who God is. That the fear of the Lord will come upon us and we will truly understand who He is in that hour. The Bible says there, this is the one that always gets us though, that decay crept into my bones. See, the promise, I heard, my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound. Oh, wasn't it good? I felt the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit come upon me. And then days went by. And days turned into weeks, and weeks, months, and months, years. The promise was given, but I had to wait. Because right now, my circumstance hasn't changed. See, these things that are happening around us, just like it was for them, they were about to be invaded. They were about to be abused and carried off. But in the midst of all this, the promise comes forth. This is what the Lord says. I will vindicate you. See, ministers knock at the door of men's hearts, but it is the Spirit that comes with the key and opens the door. Thomas Watson said that. Revival is marked by three things. An awareness of God. An awareness of who He is. A fear of the Lord that comes upon us. One of the men of, of one of the early revivals, he said this during the... It was a, a, he was a, a, in reaction to the Church of England. He was referring to a visit. He said, What I felt apart from what I saw convinced me at once that this was no ordinary movement. The next part of a revival is a deep conviction of sin. Almost to the point of despair. God reveals Himself to us. John, John Newton said it like this, My conscience, this is Him preaching, My conscience fell and owned its guilt, and I plunged me into despair. I saw my sins, His blood had spilt, and helped me nail Him there. There were times... During revivals where they would have to just stop preaching because the heaven, the, the, the heaven would fall on that place and there would become such a deep conviction of sin that people would just cry out. The third is physical manifestations. Lady Huntington on one occasion wrote about George Whitfield who was a, a revivalist during the 1700s. She said, respecting cases of crying out and falling down in meetings, and advised him, advised Whitfield, he says, do not remove them from the meetings, as he had done. When this, ha when this is done, it seemed to actually dampen the meeting. She said, you're making a great mistake. Don't be wiser than God. Let them cry out. It will do a great deal more good than your preaching. See, we love scriptures that give us promises. But it's in this place of desperation. It's in this place where we're getting ready to come into these last days. It reminds me of where Habakkuk was. 
Because after all this had just happened, after he got all this revelation, he waited on the Lord by the ramparts. He did all these things. In verse 17, it says this. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and fields, fields produce no food, there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Habakkuk says this though, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. It doesn't matter what the circumstances around us look like. I'm telling you right now, if you've got your eyes on circumstance, you're going to be fooled. If you've got your eyes on something other than Christ, you're going to be fooled. Because the enemy is going to always distract us with the the temporal. He's always going to bring those things around us that make us quiver and shake, but not the fear of the Lord. He's saying to us in this last days, He's saying, listen, I want you to get a people ready that don't look. They don't see with physical eyes. They see with spiritual eyes. They understand what's going on. They understand the anointing of the Holy Spirit. They see with spiritual eyes that says, I know what God's doing here. It doesn't matter if my cupboard is empty, if my wallet is empty, if I'm driving an old car, my house is run down. See, he says, I want you to forget about the immediate And I want you to be sure of one thing. One thing. Habakkuk 3.19 The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. See, I want you to understand tonight, I believe what the Holy Spirit is showing us that we're getting ready for in these last days is for us to switch, turn off what you've seen about revival. Turn off the dynamic that you have, have watched, maybe even on TV. These emotional outpourings that excite our senses. These last days will be marked with trial, tribulation, as this earth has never yet seen before. But you think it's accidental that all these things are going on? No, it's not. The enemy is deliberate, but I will tell you this, God is even more deliberate. He says this to us tonight. Though your feet were not made for this place, I will give you strength and the feet of deer to tread in places where you could not go before. Yes, the walls are steep. Yes, it's rugged terrain. Yes, you've never been there before. I will make you walk on high places, strengthened and gifted, not by man, but marked by God. He says that I will give you things that you do not deserve. He said, he was telling them in this, 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 this book of Habakkuk, says, your answer is judgment. That's what you deserve. But in the midst of it, I'm still going to pour out my blessing. I'm still going to pour out my anointing. Not because you deserve it, but just because you continue to cry out for it. It's not based on our own merit, but it's based upon His mercy. See, I say to myself, even these last couple years, Lord, I have followed so hard after You for these last three years. And the Lord said to me, Greg, you haven't even tithed your time with me in how long you've lived. You've given it all for three years. Woo! Greg, that's awesome. But if you're 50 years old, that ain't even 10% of your life. 
And yet, I'll say, God, I deserve this. I want that. I just, you, you gotta pour out. You gotta do the, and the Lord's like, listen, you just stay the course. Don't look at the things around you. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Your feet will go to places they have never been before. See, I want you to see that in this book of Habakkuk, there is never a promise. Habakkuk, I don't even believe he got to see the promise to come back. He didn't get to see any of that. All he knew was judgment was coming. Sometimes we feel entitled. God, I, I deserve this, I deserve that. It's all based upon His loving kindness and His mercy. But God, it doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. It never does. <laughs> David spoke it like this earlier in 18, Psalms 18.33. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He caused me to stand on the heights. The Lord says this, you stay with me, boy. And I will take you places you've never been before. Heights you've never been before. I will take you places you've never seen. When you were looking from above, everything looks small. Caleb's in the airplane with me. And we're looking down at the ground. And he says, everything looks so small, Grandpa. Like ants. Yeah, you know what? See, what God was trying to tell him is, listen, where I'm going to take you to the heights in the spiritual realm, where I'm going to take you, everything is going to look very small. You just stay with me. I'm going to equip your feet. This isn't something you learn. This is something you do because I gifted you. I will make your feet like Heinz feet. I will make you tread on ground you never thought you could go on before. Don't you worry about what it looks like in the physical. I'll get you up cliffs like you've never experienced before see Ron and I'm glad to have you back brother it's great to see you in the corner but Ron told me something he taught me something he's a he's a hunter now he's a, a hunter who uh, does it by film but that's okay he's a he's a photographer now in the he goes out and, and does that and one of the things he told me he says Greg you know when you hunt in this high country up here the real big large deer, they don't come down. I said, what do you mean? He said, see, those old, wise, smart deer, they hang out on that rocky crevice, way up on top, where nobody can see them. The kids and the girls are all playing down below. And getting shot. But the whole wise men, they're hanging out up on top where nobody can see them. The Lord's telling us in these last days, listen guys, I'm going to prepare you to go to a place that you've never been. You're going to have to hang out in some high country. You're going to, your feet, <laughs> you, you thought they were for walking, but they're going to be for climbing. He says, I'm raising you up in these last days to be people who've gone to new heights. Don't worry about what it looks like below you. 
You can, you can cry out for them, you can, but I'm telling you, in these last days, you get yourself ready. You stay close to Him. You stay connected to Him. You don't let Him go. It's Habakkuk's name means strong embrace. I'm telling you, in these last days, you better get a strong embrace for your God. You better get a strong embrace. I'm not talking about casual Christians. I'm talking about people that are sold out and they know who Jesus is. You know, there's a lot of Christians, that are the so-called Christians, with wafers in their mouth right now that are headed to hell. I'm telling you today that God's saying in these last days, you get yourself so close to me that where I'm going, you will, you'll be right there as a tag-along. That, you know, it, we hated that as a kid. He's a tag-along. You know what? God's looking for tag-alongs. Sweet, swift, fleet-footed, agile, adaptable. David understood this as he roamed the mountain country, the hills of Judea. His ability to be a warrior was paramount. I want you today to stop seeing God as a spiritual bellhop waiting to do your bidding. I want you to understand that this, I want to get in line with what He is doing, where He is going, what His heart is. And when I do that, I will know what His direction is. Tonight as we close, we had a great time of worship and I want to finish our night tonight with a little more worship. Tonight, I want to open this altar. I want to open this place. Bo, ahead. go ahead and turn that down, Bo. I want to open the altar. I want us just to wait on the Lord. I want Him to show up and empower and overtake us. But if He chooses to, to, to have us continue to pursue, I will pursue. I will not give up. I will stay the course. Tonight we have Joel from... He's a pastor, Joel. From, he was the one up here dancing around with me, so you guys know he wasn't... He's just another crazy preacher. But I want you to know tonight... His dad said this. He says, inside, I want you to be like a wild dog. But on the outside, the love of God, the power, the fruit of the Spirit just flows out of you. But inside, you just, you're so hungry, you can't wait for the next meal. You can't wait. You're constantly looking, what is it you got for me next, God? Tonight, Lord, that's the cry of my heart. Whether he comes, look at Habakkuk. Decay crept into his bones. You've got to get ready tonight, people, for decay to crept in your bones. Fix your eyes on him.